You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. We're going to be back in our series in John. We're in John chapter 9 today, and a big passage in front of us today. If you don't have a Bible, we have some Bibles there at the back. You can grab one of those. Uh, if you don't own a Bible, please take one home with you. That's our gift to you today. We'd love for you to be studying the scriptures with us as we go through John's gospel, um, loving what the Holy Spirit's been bringing out of this gospel and, and teaching us, and looking forward to hearing Pastor Bill preach today. From John 9, verses 1 through 41. And John writes, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not this man, this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had, be, who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees asked, again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him, since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight, until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees we do not know nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. 
Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world, and those who do not see may see, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, We see, your guilt remains. This is God's word. And thank you, Pastor Dave. This is a story of a man born blind. About every 20 minutes in this country, someone goes blind. We're talking about not being able to see at all. Um, there are many, many people in this nation, for whatever reason, lose their eyesight. They, they go blind completely. Every year, about 50,000 Americans go blind. They cannot see. Uh, these are people who did see, but they cannot see now. It's estimated that, as statistics have played out, uh, already in America, there have been more than 20 million people who at some point in their life have gone completely blind. Now, for, for most people, the thought or the idea of going blind is a terrifying thought for them. Um, a, a survey that was taken of uh, citizens in the U.S., uh, it said that most people would rather lose any other sense or any other ability physically than to lose their sight. So sight is a very, very valuable piece of uh, our function um, as humans. And uh, I can't imagine at this age having to go through something like that of, of losing my sight. Uh, some people say, well, it's a consolation to those who are born that way because they actually never got to see, so they don't really know what they're missing. I don't think that is true. Uh, it, I, they may not deal with as much as someone who has known that in terms of regret or disappointment, um, but their life as a blind person has to be tremendously challenging because they are utterly dependent on other people. And so was this man. This man was indeed born blind, uh, as the scripture tells us, but he was dependent on other people taking care of him, getting him to uh, the outskirts of the temple and getting him set up there so he could actually be a beggar, so he could beg for whatever he needed, all right? And so um, he definitely did not have a, a great life here, all right? And we do see in some of the other gospels, uh, some of the places where uh, Jesus healed someone who was blind, who had been able to see. Uh, Mark chapter 8 talks uh, about this. Um, um, and uh, so there was that kind of a thing. But this guy is unique in that he was blind from his birth. And so that brings some other thoughts and ideas into the minds of the Pharisees and the Jews, and we're going to look at those just a little bit. But what I want to start with today is to help you to understand that this was obviously to everyone a very unique situation, and everyone could identify with the desire not to be like this man. No one wanted to be blind. 
No one wanted to, to accept that or to take that on. And so he was looked down upon uh, in some types of ways, especially in that he was disabled and that he was dependent, and in some ways he was a burden, all right? Now, uh, the Jewish people, they would be familiar with all of this that's going on here. But what John is trying to do in this writing to us is to help us to understand his great big theme, and that is Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is also not only the Son of God, but Jesus is the Savior, the Messiah. He is the Savior to the Jews, all right? Uh, and because he is, has healed this man... Therefore, he is indeed the Son of God, and we need him. And he's basically saying to the Jews, you need him. And so this is the big conflict that continues to go on and continues to reverberate throughout the temple on various occasions, and it comes right back to this again here. Now, we see Jesus here, and we just left him in chapter 8 in last Sunday's message, all right? And he was leaving the temple in a hurry. And the reason he was doing that, because after he had created such a ruckus inside of the temple last week, all right, uh, in, our, in our, our sermon, he is having to, to exit the temple quickly. It says at the end of chapter 8, the people began to pick up stones or whatever. They were going to stone him. They were looking to kill him there at the end. And it says that he, he escapes or he hides himself enough to escape. And so he's obviously trying to get out of the temple. All right. That would make sense with this particular story because in all likelihood, this beggar man has had someone in his family bring him to an entrance of the temple somewhere or somewhere close to there because that's where the traffic is for all of the people who are religious and who are compassionate and who are told they're supposed to give alms and, and, and help the poor and do all these kinds of things, all right, they would be coming in and out. So this man would be positioned at a place where he could get something from some people and maybe sort of eck out a, 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 a lifestyle, if you will, of some kind through begging, all right? And so Jesus is exiting out of the temple, and that's where we pick up this story today, and it says basically, basically that... As he passed by, all right, as he passed by, he saw a blind man from birth. So he's out of the temple now. He's out of the way of these, these religious leaders who are trying to stone him, and he's leaving. Now, in my estimation, okay, I'll just put myself in, in that moment in time, all right? If I was in a religious facility and other people who did not agree with me had started to plot to stone me, or for whatever reason, they wanted to kill me, I would not hang around, all right? I, I would get out of there. Like, I'd be gone. Like, I'd be, I would be down the road somewhere at this point. But this is interesting that shortly outside of the temple area there, he recognizes this man from the standpoint of his need. Jesus is passing by and he saw a man blind from birth. There's a lot in this story, 
and, and I, I wanted David to read the whole story to you so you get the gist of it here, but there's a lot here, and there's a lot going on in the exchanges between this man once he's healed and the, the Pharisees, the Jews, and then there's some exchange between him and Jesus as well, and all of that makes up a lot of the storyline there. But I want to take you back to the beginning of the story, and I want to pull a few things out of here for you and I, because I think you and I need to learn from this, and we don't just learn about healing. But we learn a lot more here, and I think we miss some of that if we don't stay up in the front of the story here and really kind of like pull it apart and and look at it a little bit. So that's what I want to do with you today, because I think that this is a story of some amazing grace, the story of God, if you will, all right? The blind man did not and could not see Jesus here, all right? But Jesus saw him, as we said, likely at the exit of of the temple. And Jesus has this gracious amount of compassion on him, so he comes over to him, even though there are people just on the other side of the walls there who are plotting to kill him, like, immediately. He stops there, and he heals the man without being asked to do so. He sees the man and sees him in this condition, and he heals him. Now, the disciples ask him some questions, and we're going to look at those in just a little bit if we have enough time to do so. But what I want you to understand first and foremost here is that this is the heart of God, that Jesus would pass by, all right, and that Jesus would see. This is the grace of God that, that literally brings the gospel to all of us as sinners, all right, because all of us as sinners in places of need, we are seeking the gospel. We may not know that that's what we're seeking, all right? This man was blind and would want to see. He would love to see, but he was begging there for something other than sight. He had resigned himself that he would never, ever be able to see. And so he's begging for something far less than to see. And yet God's son walks by him and heals him and opens his eyes so he can fully and richly see everything. God has so much more for you and I than we could ever imagine or hope or dream or ask for. And so this man is here the benefactor of the great grace of God in this place simply because Jesus was passing by. And I want you and I to see that today. I want us to understand the grace of God because the Bible says in Luke chapter 19, the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. The whole intent of God is to to bring salvation into the world. The whole intent of Jesus is to obey his father and to go to the cross and do for you and I what we could not do for ourselves because, my friend, we are the beggar. We are the blind. We are the one with the disability of sin. We're the one in that place in much need, and we oftentimes think very less of what we might get from God than what God is willing to give to us. And so you and I need to position ourselves in such a way that Jesus just might pass by, that he might just come into our lives in such a way and such a dynamic that he will do more for us than we could have ever hoped, dreamed, or have asked for. And so I want you to understand that you and I then, as Jesus is our model, must also be willing to do exactly what Jesus did. And I would say to you and I that God has opened up this community and just outside the door of the temple, if you will, the beggar sits. That person is out there 
near you and near me and near our lives and near our walk and who is waiting for something. And for most of them, honestly, because they're in such a devastated state of brokenness and sin, their their sin has so debilitated them that they're just looking for a little something. They're just looking for a little bit. And yet God has so much for them if Jesus would pass by through you or through me. And so you and I have to be willing to be those people who are going to get up off our duff, if you will, and get out of our chairs in the sanctuary and get out there into the neighborhood and beyond and do what Jesus did. And even though he was exiting out of a dangerous or precarious moment or situation, he was willing to stop because he was going by and he recognized that this man had a need and he knew he was the answer for that need. I'll ask you this question. Do you understand that through you... Jesus is the answer for the need in this neighborhood and beyond. There's no one that can get what they need in this neighborhood lest you and I are willing to pass by. And most of us, if we're going to be really honest, oftentimes just pass people up. We just go by them, but we don't really pass by them with the intent that we might be part of God's answer for their lives. And we pass up opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to do something amazing and powerful, not only for the kingdom of God in general, but for one particular person's life that it can be dramatically changed. I love it that Jesus didn't let anything stop him. In particular, adversity or persecution. Even though they were those who were saying, I mean, they were basically saying, he's a sinner. That's what they told this man. Whether he healed you or not, he's a sinner. And you were utterly born in sin, they told this, this man who can now see. And so how dare you teach us? How dare you instruct us? The reality is this man is the walking Uh, uh, message of the gospel and he's walking in and among these people simply because Jesus had passed him by and took care and and took concern and and took compassion how how could Jesus do that the key is it says that Jesus saw him Jesus saw him he looked at him Let me help you understand what I'm talking about. Like, I can walk by and I can know somebody is right there, but I won't look at them. I didn't pass them by. I passed them up. All right? But if I look at them, I have to acknowledge their presence. I have to acknowledge that they are there. And if I look close enough, I have to see them in some way or some capacity. All right? I have to be able to make some kind of assessment. This person's okay. This person's calm. They're just sitting here. They're doing all right. They're chilling. Or this person has a need. Or or, or this person has a a problem or an issue. How many times do we walk by someone? I'm I'm not putting you under a law. I'm not putting you under a bondage here, okay? I'm, I'm trying to tell you that there are places where you need to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is doing and where the Holy Spirit is leading you. And there are a lot of broken people really close by us. And, and, and I love that we're going around the world, but we don't go around the world at the expense of home. All right? If we're not doing it here, we really shouldn't have the privilege of doing it out there somewhere. All right? 
we, we really need to start at home. We really need to start in our place, and then we go out beyond that. But we become witnesses in, in, in Judea, Samaria, the other regions of the earth, and on and on and so forth. There's so much opportunity right here for you and I. But Jesus passed by, if you will. And I want you to understand that this was an unbelievable disability, this blindness, uh, serious for this man. And it's true. The disability of blindness is such a good picture for you and I of the disability of sin, all right? Without Christ, the sinner walks in the darkness of their own sin. They are unable to spiritually discern truth and, and, and have guidance, all right, from God's word. They can't do that because they are blinded. They are in that place. I, I, I wish I could just break the scriptures down for you this morning, but I only got about 10 minutes left and I got a lot to get through here, okay? But please understand, all right, there, there is so much in the scriptures that talk to us about the need for being able to see, the need for having light inside of darkness, all right, the need for understanding and comprehending the spiritual truths of God's word. How can the blind see if they don't have someone to help them heal from that and you and I are God's answer we carry the medication we carry the anointment if you will all right we carry uh, the vaccine we we carry the antidote we have the answer and so we need to be the ones who understand that regardless of what our circumstances or regardless of what your personal agenda might be, God has called you to be missional. There may be things that you want to see accomplished. There may be things that, that you think that you need to, to rally around and support, but not outside of mission, all right? You can do all of those other things, but you need to stay on mission. You and I need to be missional. We need to be gospel-centered in all of what we are doing because the Bible says, Paul says, he says, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers and has kept them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Christ, who is the image of God. That's what the enemy has already done. That world out there that you are and I are looking at and judging is a world that has been blinded by an enemy. And, and in that blindness, they cannot see. And you and I are living in a culture today where everything is being pitted against each other. Not just things and ideologies and, and, and that sort of thing, but individuals. And we're seeing in America people being pitted against one another because of a race or a creed or a religious preference or a position. And we're seeing liberals pitted against conservatives. And what's happening is the enemy is having a heyday and he's using that now. And people in the church are rising up in their conservatism and they're actually starting to point fingers at liberals. And now we've got Christians judging non-Christians and we've got Christians pointing fingers at non-Christians and we've got Christians saying awful things about non-Christians and Jesus doesn't do that. The church doesn't do that. That's not the church. It can't be. We can't do that. You can't get caught up in that. All right? You can't point fingers and judge people. Jesus didn't do that. He didn't look at this guy and say, okay, something's wrong here. Or he did something bad. The disciples said it. They asked the question, what happened? Was it his parents that sinned? Who did this that he is in this situation? And Jesus comes back and, and, and he, he blows that away. 
And he goes, you need to understand something here. The parents didn't do anything. Now, there's, there's, a, there's a further indication down a little ways. If you'll study this out, just take it and, and, and read through all of this. Get you a good commentary and read through all of this. And they, they, again, allude to that, well, you were born in utter sin. In other words, you were born in a sinful situation. In, in other words, they are inferring that, that his parents were having sex before they were actually married. And because of that, now he's blind. It's all the fault of your parents. Oh, by the way, don't come in and fault your parents for your sinful behavior. All right? If, if you are sinning, you're sinning because you're choosing to sin. There may be difficult circumstances in your family, and sin does visit generationally, and, and there are things that come down through the generations, through the parents, to their children, and their grandchildren, and their great-grandchildren, and those things do happen, and we understand that, but still, that doesn't relieve you of the responsibility. If you are sinning, it is on you. All right? You are the sinner. And you are the one who is blind, and you are the one who needs the light. You are the one who needs to be able to see, and only Jesus can deliver you so that you can see. All right? Don't blame anybody else for that. Just come to Jesus. Let's just all run to Jesus because we're all sinners. All right? We all fall short of the glory of God. So let's stop pointing fingers at other people, and especially to lost people. This is one of the worst things that we do as Christians, all right? I am so running out of time, and I cannot finish this sermon. Here's what we do. We look at people and we expect those people to, be, to act like Christians. And they're not. If they're not a Christian, don't expect them to act like a Christian. All right? Because they're not going to. And in all honesty, they don't have to. But you do. All right? So we don't expect non-Christians to act like Christians. But the Lord of the harvest expects you and I to pass by them and to see them and to have compassion upon them and to share the light into their darkness and bring them the truth that can open their eyes so that they can see. That's the call of you and I to be missional. I know there's so much in here and there's so much like theological nuance in this passage and it's 41 whole verses here that David read to you but I'm going to tell you what I'm going to cut you right down to the straight here this is what it's all about right here it is about you and I being willing to be on mission for Jesus Christ allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us to those people who are lost in darkness and let us be the light that speaks life to them and if we're not doing that we are not on mission if we're not doing that we're not doing what we've been called to do at all all right so you and I need to be in that place because you see, Jesus said, I, I came to do the works of God, the Father. That's what he actually says to, to everyone here. But what he's saying to the disciples is, hey, you and I got to do this. I, I am doing the works. Of God. That's not what he said. All right, you, you, you look at it. That is not what he says in the passage that David read to you. Look at verse four. Well, let's start at three. Jesus answered, it was not the man that sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And Jesus understood that he was a part of the activity of displaying the works of God. That's what you and I need to understand. We are a part of the activity of displaying the works of God. The works of God do not get displayed unless you and I display them. All right? That's our responsibility. That's on you and I. We are the sons and daughters of God. We are lights, all right, in the world. All right? A light should not be 
be put under a cover, all right? A light sits on a hill so that all can see the light and glorify the Father which is in heaven. That is our responsibility, all right? But in verse 4 then, he says, all right, getting, getting beyond all of that, he says, we must work the works of him who sent me. Did you catch that pronoun? A pronoun is something you, help me if I'm wrong, a pronoun, I'm, I, I, I'm not trying to be too facetious here, okay, but a pronoun is something you use when you don't want to use a noun. It's one word that could mean many nouns, all right? So you use a pronoun. So when Jesus is using we here, he's saying, okay, John, James, Peter, Matthew, all you other people with names right behind them that's been following me and eating bread and complaining about what I do, and say, but you're saying you're Christians, all right? So what he's saying to us, if we're going to make the application here, he's saying, all right, David, all right, Dwayne, all right, Alicia, Melissa, Eric, he's naming us, we, and Jesus says, we must do the works of him who sent me, all right? He just took it out there, all right? He knows he's going to stand on a mountainside in just a little while after he dies for all of our sin and is resurrected from the dead and has overcome death and hell and has made a way for all people to have light and see and no longer be blind. He's going to stand on that mountainside and say, hey, every one of you, go and make disciples, The Father has given me all authority that is in heaven and on earth. Here I am. Now, I'm giving you the same authority. He's already talking that stuff to the disciples right here before it ever happens. And he's saying, we need to be doing the works of the Father who has sent me into the world now. And so you and I have to be willing to say yes to the gospel and the call of Jesus Christ. And if you've got any other plan and any other agenda other than the gospel, you've got things out of order. It's the gospel first and foremost. That's where we stand. That's where we die. That's where we live. It's inside of the gospel, all right? Jesus came to do these good works. And, and the word actually is we, we, we must do the works of him who sent me. We must. In other words, there's an urgency the, the, the New Living Translation renders it this way. I like, I like this. I like reading some other translations once in a while, and I like what this says. All of us must quickly carry out the task assigned to us by the one who sent me, because there is little time left before the night falls and all work comes to an end. Isn't that vivid? Oh, my goodness. We are living in a day. We are in an age, but the age is referred to as a day. We're living in a day, but a night is coming, and when the night comes... All the work comes to an end. We need to work while it's day. We need to work while it's light. It's 1130. I have to stop. This is what we have to do. This is what we're called to do. This is what John is saying. This is Jesus. He's the son of God. He's proven he's the son of God because he's healed a man who was blind from birth. In other words, you can't bring someone in here and, 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 and create an event and, and, and you can claim that this man was, was blind uh, and, and, and before he could see and, 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 and say it, it isn't right, it didn't happen or whatever, those kinds of things. You can't, you can't create this. We know that this man was blind. You might, you might, you might tell us, hey, oh, he, I, I know you're saying he healed him and, and he can see now, but he was blind. But the truth is he was never really 
acted blind. He pretended he was blind because back way back when he could see. Uh, no, no, no. This isn't that kind of mess. All right. This man was blind from birth. He's never seen. They all know him. His family knows him. That's why they interrogate everybody in this passage David read to you. And the reality is, as in the moment, they know that they know that they know. And all they have left is, well, how dare you teach us when you were born in sin? That's such malarkey. All right? The reality is, he is the Son of God. He is the Son of God, and He heals, and He delivers, and He sets free. Anyone who will call upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. And this message, as the third chapter of John says, is for the whole world, anyone who will believe, all right? He gave His life for anyone who would believe. You and I are the bearers of that good news. That is our responsibility. That is what we are called to do. And everyone in this room, if you name the name of Jesus and you declare in identity that you are a child of God, you have the responsibility to receive this calling, internalize it into your own life, and then proclaim it to the world out there. And you begin right here in this neighborhood, and then you move out from beyond there. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand. Worship team's going to come up. They're going to lead us in a quick chorus here in just a moment. What might the Spirit of God be doing to you in this moment? I know it's a brief one. We come to this time every Sunday, but the idea here is that the Spirit is doing something. Listen, let me, let me just rehearse something here. In this story, Jesus passed by. Are you passing by or are you passing up? Jesus came to do the works of God. Are yours the works of God, or are they of your own agenda? Jesus came to be the light of the world. Are you letting your light shine in this world? And Jesus came to give sight to this man. Who are you helping to see? Who are you helping to have their eyes opened to see this goodness of God? around them. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of your spirit, settle yourself on us right now in a profound and deep way. God, you are the only God. And Jesus, you are the only son. And there is no power in any spirit other than you, Holy Spirit. And so we come to you not in our own strength, or even in a right that we have, we come humbly seeking you that you may deliver us out of blindness and darkness, giving us sight and entering into your marvelous light, that we may receive the commissioning of all your children, and that is to go and make disciples in all the world. God, start it today. Begin it here. Do it now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.